Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we cover in worship on Sunday, and we do that by discussing things like historical settings, literary context, the way others before us have read the text, and our reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is a part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary shares something new each day to help you grow in faith. So we hope you check that out through Calvary's app or by going to connectwithcalvary.org. Well, today on the podcast, uh, we're continuing in our discussion on prayer and uh so we're going to jump right in today with uh, some discussion about uh, praying through the day. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So um, we know that Scripture tells us uh, pray at all times and in all circumstances. And um, I'm not sure we have, uh, in our culture today, have completely developed that and what that means, um, at least my understanding, I think, of the church in North America, at least. Um, We don't do a lot to help people uh, pray throughout the days, and we certainly have a history, uh, the church has a history of doing doing so. And I I had fun when I was uh, preparing this sermon looking into uh, how our bodies are set up, and our bodies are set up to have a certain rhythm um, of the day, and um, uh, our I mean, that's just in, intrinsic in who we are, and uh, our souls are too. And so to, um, uh, to try to, um, to look at prayer as uh, something other than um, a daily living kind of thing, I think is unnatural to us. So maybe that's why we, we have a hard time getting into some kind of habit is that um, we try to plug it in as an extra thing rather than um, having it as a part of our lifestyle. So um, as we look at that, um, I want to look at um, a few things, one of which is um, canonical hours and um, um, some of the the practices of the early church and uh, monastics, and I've asked I've asked Isaac if he would speak to that a little bit. So I don't know if it's good to just jump right into what uh, that's oh, all about. I, there's other things to get to first. I'll okay, you'll get to that. Okay, yeah, okay. Whatever we have time for. Um, yeah. The other the other thing that I told you uh, that I would yesterday from the sermon that I told you that I would talk about, I believe. Uh, was why do churches have bell towers? Um, and the origin of that was actually to remind people to pray. Um, it, it became other things throughout life. Um, it actually called people to worship. It uh, uh, Workplaces used it, um, used those bells. Um, and But but it's not just to be pretty, and it's not just to be used. Um, some churches uh, toll the bells at funerals, and it, it, the, that's not the original purpose for bell towers. Um, and as we know from Calvary, we have a steeple, but not a bell, uh, because those are no longer needed uh, for the purpose that they were they were used in the past. But we have new um, opportunities today to remind us to pray, and. Uh, those are kind of individualistic rather than communal. Um, I have my phone. I talked about that yesterday. I have my phone set um, for the Common Book of Prayer, and it reminds me at 8 o'clock, at noon, and at 5 o'clock, and then gives me uh, prayers, gives me scripture, gives me uh, a writing of um, 
someone from the early church or someone now. It just gives me a writing from, I think maybe that's just one city that does that. Anyway, um, that's a, a really cool way to do that on an individual basis. But now, I, you said you got that on your phone from uh-huh. an app. An app on my phone. Did you t- tell us where the app is? Or can you remember that? Yeah, I think it's called. I think it's just called the Book of Common Prayer. Okay. Um, and it looks like a, you'll know that you've you found it. Uh, I was talking to somebody about that yesterday. Uh, it looks like a, I think a silver cross. Um, uh, that's the no. It's a gold uh, box with a cross inside of it. Um, but there are other apps also uh, that you that. You know, are helpful. It just depends on who you are, and I mean, if you're a person that uses your phone uh, to regulate uh, your calendar and all of that, which I am, then that app is helpful for that. Um, if you're a person who um, who uses something else, uh, use whatever it is that uh, guides your day. Um, I I use the things also that are just that I do that we do all the time i mean this morning at breakfast we prayed and it's uh we often are are not at the same place early in the morning randy and i uh so that's kind of our first time of prayer together but um we use that not just to thank god for the food but to just give him our days and randy's done that long before i ever got out of bed usually um in his uh quiet time in the morning but um so, so there are just regular things that we do every day if we can use those as um, uh, reminders. But I started, I started to get into the fact that what do we do with prayer in terms of a global sense? Um, and, I, and I don't remember if we're going to have a, a, a discussion on that at a later point or not. We're about done with this prayer series, amazingly. Um, but what do we do in a global sense to look at um, not just looking at my list of things, but uh, looking at society and how God can use us to um, uh, be a transforming member of society. And we actually may get into that, and we were going to do a series after Easter on uh, transformation. Um, but you know, just kind of expand your prayer life and and look at it from a different perspective than you usually do. Randy, you were talking yesterday about fasting, and in our um, in the study that we have, I mean, we have the sermon series, and then we have the study. And the study talked about fasting, um, and some people have never done that. Mm. It was it was the uh, the gist of the uh, of the lesson was about praying for breakthrough, right? Whatever that happened to be, and one of the one of the means that sometimes you can uh, begin to understand, or receive, or um, ponder what that breakthrough might be, or how to get to that breakthrough point is through prayer and fasting. And a number of folks I had talked to, uh, uh, I was just asking them about their experience, and uh, their experience was was uh, limited. Mm-hmm. Their uh, their uh, awareness of fasting was not something they learned, and and their, I think, I think in that conversation everybody was from the Methodist Church, United Methodist Church background, and they had never been taught anything about fasting in their growing up formative years, and so consequently fasting was not a part of a discipline uh, for them. Um, 
I'm trying to remember most of the things that I learned about prayer. Uh, I learned uh, from the Presbyterian minister who discipled a bunch of us young people after we came to Christ, and and um, uh, most of my understanding about fasting came later in life. As I began to search what that meant, I was telling a couple of stories of experiences in my first church, uh, which I won't tell here because they take a little bit of time to unfold, but about how fasting, the church fasted over uh, something that was going on, and there was a breakthrough on that, and I tried to explain that to a good friend of mine who was a superintendent, and he, it was, he just couldn't grab that. Nothing bad about him. Mm-hmm. It was not his experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, I remember uh, my hunger to learn how to pray. This doesn't. This is not good language. <laughs> how to pray better? All right. That's not the language. How to pray deeper? Because prayer is about the relationship. Mm-hmm. So prayer is about getting to know God better, right. or in in a deeper way. And so. Uh, I, I, it's been my practice for the last 40, 45 years of searching the scriptures to see what Jesus did and how he did it. Searching the scriptures of both Old and New Testaments to see how they prayed. And uh, uh, Rick was uh, in yesterday's, well, it'll be yesterday's, it'll be your lesson tomorrow morning, was talking about uh, how Daniel prayed right. and the pattern of prayer. I believe it was in Daniel chapter 9. Uh, and so uh, I'm. I'm just uh, fascinated, connected, desirous to have that kind of intimacy with God that we could that we could talk. Because um, I'm such a lineal person, everything is black and white to me. So this has just been a new, it's been a 45 or 50 year adventure. But I'm saying it's it's took me some places that I had not planned to go, uh, or never thought about going and praying. Um, but you were talking about rhythms yesterday. Yeah. I've never had a practice of of uh, rhythmic praying other than in the morning. Mm-hmm. But, but that's also my time. That's my best time of the day. Yeah, uh, I've tried at noon. I've tried at the evening. But um, and this this will not be for everybody. But actually, my prayer continues from early in the morning till I go to bed, right. even in preparation for bed. So there's a constant conversation going on between the Lord and I. I don't know whether that's good or not. So that is rhythm. <clears throat> well, it's my rhythm. Yeah. Uh, so I may stop at two o'clock in the afternoon if something comes up, and just, uh, or I may stop at uh, eight o'clock at night. Uh, there's something to be said, however, for a discipline in prayer. Yeah. Um, and so I'll pick up the Book of Common Prayer. I just don't necessarily follow that practice, or I'll pick up the Book of some others um, that I have uh, connected with over the years and use their pattern of prayer or use their uh, – uh, their. Um, I love the term, the office of yeah. prayer – uh, and 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 some and some um, oh my mind's a little dead this morning. Some religion, some religious backgrounds or practices. The offices not only include prayer, but also include sacraments of baptism or sacraments of communion or some of those other things are referred to as offices. 
practices, daily disciplined kinds of things. Um, but I, sometimes I'm, I fear that uh, we either are afraid of prayer, uh, we don't like the idea of being disciplined in our prayer life. Uh, sometimes we're, it's just something that's uh, – when I started to, to, to try to learn what it meant to pray, I had no clue. Because mm-hmm. my mom and dad were just great people, um, but they didn't teach me how to pray. Uh, I'm equally sure their folks didn't teach them how to pray. So uh, those patterns have to be broken into I'm not at sure some I point. taught my kids how to pray, to be um, honest. So, uh, which is, it's just interesting. I've been yeah. thinking a lot about, uh, uh, just I think because I've been in about a half a dozen conversations with, um, it just happens to be with guys that. Uh, uh, we've been talking about and praying for our kids, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that they were brought up and have some, at least some awareness, uh, but certainly not much practice and not much relationship. Um, so there's a lot of value. I uh, was working on a sermon here. We're working on so many right now, uh, but to say, parents, that's one of the best gifts you can give your kids. Either if you have to develop it yourself and give it to them, even after they're out of your house, mm-hmm. or to develop while, while they're growing up in your house. We want to give our kids the very best, uh, but there are things more valuable than a particular car or a particular kind of clothes or whatever it is. You know, um, Train up a child in the ways of the Lord and they'll not depart, that of, depart thereof. It just a verse that sticks with me, and it also uh, sticks with me in the sense of growing, developing, maturing your relationship with God through your conversations with Him in prayer. One of the things that, um, if I were to go back and do it again, and, and I, you know, I honestly don't remember if I did this. I think I did some of this. Was when. Um, I do this with parishioners, but I'm not sure I do it. Uh, did it with my family when someone would come to me upset about something? Well, let's pray right now about that. You know, um, did I do that with my kids? I, I don't remember to be honest. Um, you know, let's let's just pray about that right now and and see see what happens mm-hmm. i mean don't be afraid to to pray with somebody over the phone we we do that a lot um uh, pray with somebody in the middle of the store it doesn't have to be loud and whatever just um but you, but you said something about a um uh, an established time of prayer every day and and uh, after I my sermons were over yesterday, I thought, you know, I hope I didn't give the impression that prayer is just something um, um, uh, that's that's uh, that's done uh, lightly or um, haphazardly pr- throughout the day. That um, not only do you pr- use these times every day to pray, but you know, I, it's important to have. Um, not just fleeting prayers, right? But some time right. in prayer. We're going to be um, talking about transformation here after Easter at some point in time. And um, uh, my prayer life before um, 
in my very, very early years was more centered around repetitive kinds of prayers mm-hmm. that uh, are not in and of themselves bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a, a sister who prays with us on Sunday morning, and she writes down her prayers, and they are the most deep. They are. They're beautiful. Thought out, wonderful prayers. Um my experience has been much more in terms of uh, praying freely without writing anything out. Um, either way is fine; doesn't yeah. make any difference. But I just uh, I remember even growing up in the church, and this is not a knock on the church mm-hmm. I grew up in, but I really didn't learn to to discipline myself and, and even have the value of that till I was actually involved in a group outside of the church called the Navigators. And that was a, there was Campus Crusade Navigators on Wesleyan's campus. And um, Navigators were known for being much more disciplined and frankly Campus Crusade probably had more fun than we did. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was in a group of guys that uh, uh, they helped hold me accountable. I expressed to them I wanted to be held accountable. And then they helped me hold me accountable to the point that it became something that now the Holy Spirit holds me accountable. Mm-hmm. That something in the day, you talk about rhythm, something in my day is not right if I don't wait upon the Lord for, I, it doesn't have to be an hour in the morning. It'd probably be better if it was, but most mornings I don't have that or don't do that. Uh, but uh, that rhythm for me in prayer makes a huge difference on on, on my day and how I treat people and how my perspective. Um. And it has to be uh, your rhythm. It can't be, you can't just mm-hmm. adapt to somebody else's rhythm. And that's what I have learned throughout my life is that I I had a spiritual director when I was uh, early in ministry and, and I had babies at the time. And, um, you know, babies wake up really early and, and uh, are up during the night. And, and she said, well, that's not going to be your time of prayer then. You know, mm-hmm. your time of prayer is going to be some other time when you can carve it out, and it's not going to be an hour, likely. Um, and uh, it was just, it was powerful to release me from what I thought was right. Um, so we have to figure out what's right uh, in terms of our DNA and our, uh, our, you are a very linear person, so you can sit down and read and and uh, write your prayer list and do the same thing every day. I don't think I can do that. I have to vary it. Mm-hmm. Um, prayer walking is probably my most powerful way to pray. Um, so, you know, we all do it differently, and that's just well, what we're trying to encourage. I was listening to you yesterday morning. I actually do listen to you when you really? preach on Sunday mornings. Wow, yeah, wow. At least one service I try to. <laughs> the, other try, the other ones I try not to let my head drop too Oh, thanks, far. thanks. I appreciate um, that. <laughs> but um, I was listening to you as you was talking about sight yeah. drives your prayer. Yeah. Uh, and probably for me, that's not as much. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I'm tried to learn how to develop that a little bit more uh, but yeah when I'm tri- driving down the road my thought is point A to point B uh-huh. you know yeah. I'm less inclined to look at the trees on the side of the road <laughs> yeah 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 um, so. Yeah, and yet that's that's really powerful for me. Also, feel uh, I've talked before, but it might have been in Bible study. I don't remember if it's been a Bible study or a sermon or this um, about prayer beads, and um, um, I kind of forget that I have them sometimes. But that just 
that tactile thing, just holding those beads and um, having them as reminders of what's next, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and to allow God to speak to me through them. So, you know, everybody has their own way, but um, don't feel like you have to do it the way the your spouse does it or somebody else does it. But I also would encourage you, if you have kids or grandchildren or neighbors or whoever, um, to to not be afraid to say, hey, can I pray with you right now? Mm-hmm. Um, or or to tell, and if they say no, say, okay, I'll pray for you then. Uh, or for spouses okay. to say to one another, um, spouses to say to one another, I need I need fifteen minutes a day to spend time in prayer. Can yeah. you watch the kids? I think right. about that. My first wife uh, particularly uh, uh, made me aware of that. That uh, she got up when the kids got up. Okay, I got up before anybody got up. Um, but to give some space or some time, um, and sometimes that's the best gift a spouse one spouse can give the other, Absolutely. depending on. Or, or maybe your oldest child can give if the little ones are running around. I mean, we right. know what little ones running around are and just how hard it is to even capture a thought in our house right now. Right. Um, you know, ask somebody to say, you know, can you give me 15 minutes out of this day right. so that I can do this and make this a priority? Right, so right. I, I don't know. Right. Um, there was a thought that came to me, and I think it's it's gone now. So, Yeah. Uh, it probably wasn't very good anyway. So. Mm. Isaac, what do you have to say about um, some of the daily offices or the canonical hours or uh, early church fathers? Um, uh, let's see. I know that's a lot. You know, Can you just well, cover that in two yeah. minutes or less? <laughs> I mean, I think what's really important to understand um, up front about monasticism in general because it's very – it's not very familiar to right. most people, um, especially Protestants, uh, is that it's it's really the church's first reform movement. So monasticism comes about because the church, um, in the early part of its history, um, starts to kind of become corrupted, I guess, is maybe... Uh-huh. Sounds like a pretty tough, tough word, but it's true. Corrupted by um, the Roman Empire, at least this right. is what the monastics would say. That um, once Christianity starts to uh, be in a uh, friendly and cozy dialogue with um, with the state, with the empire, uh, that it starts to lose its way a little mm-hmm. bit, and so uh, a lot of um, a lot of early monastics were more uh, individual uh, monastics. They were not in community yet, although they did have some communities. But they they simply just got out of Dodge mm-hmm. and yeah. went to the desert and mm-hmm. said that uh, the the way that we want to order our time, the way that we want to order our work, is not around uh, necessarily this idea of living within this empire, but living within um, a created order that uh, is more in touch with who God is. And so uh, they set up uh, practices that, that mirrored that, that said uh, the way that things happen in our lives are going to be ordered um, around uh, what we think God is doing. And so that's, 
that's different than saying everybody goes to work at nine and everybody stops yeah. at five or everybody, you know, gets this holiday off because it's, uh, you know, a bank holiday or right. whatever. Uh, again, I'm not meaning to be, um, you know, overtly subversive of nation states here, but yeah. at the same time, this is the, this is the history of monasticism. Sure. And, and so uh, they, they retreat and they say, we don't think the way that everyone shares time together is the best way to share time together. And so what they do is they, uh, they order their time around these, um, these seven times of prayer each day. They get that from the Psalms. I can't remember off the top of my head which one it is, but mm -hmm. uh, the psalmist says seven times a day, I yeah. praise mm -hmm. you. And so they, they take that and they say, what are those seven times? They take that, they mix it with a little bit of the life of Jesus, and they say, um, you know, at uh, we're going to pray at 3 o'clock because that's when Jesus uh, died on the cross. We're going to pray at noon uh, because there's another significant event um, in the crucifixion. We're going to pray in the morning. So they have all of these. They're, they're trying to walk through Scripture in the, in the, the time of the day. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, it, it's, not, it, it's not mainly intercessory prayer. Mm -hmm. you know, it's not asking for something. It's not even dialoguing. It's more about being formed in um, what God is and is doing um, throughout the day. And so they come up with ways to remind each other of that and to remind each other um, across distances as well. So it, it wasn't just, we think, you know, uh, monasticism is a very internal and individual experience and it, it really couldn't be farther from the truth. It's, it's people um, agreeing to be together uh, while doing interior work. Right. Um, which is, it's very confusing yeah. to most of the Western world because we think that the only way that we can do interior work is to do it by ourselves. Uh, and that when we are together, that's a time for communal work. And communal work means not doing any interior work. Yeah. And so we've really kind of bifurcated those two things. And uh, the early monastics couldn't separate them. They just could not see that as two different events. Mm -hmm. uh, and so their prayer life reflects that uh, quite a bit. Um, and then as monasticism develops, um, it takes on some more larger uh, forms like Benedictine or Augustinian or Franciscan, what we would kind of you know, see as monastic orders um, right. today. And so they, they write what are called rules, which, you know, help them kind of live together. But the idea is that what shapes your day is not kind of whatever you think it should be today, or the state doesn't do that, or even the, the, the seasons of the earth do that. But what happens is this walk through who God is and the life of Jesus kind of provide a framework for mm -hmm. all of them to move together through the day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's flexible, but it is more rigid than mm -hmm. we probably um, would ever, you know, come up with on our own. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but the point is, again, to be praying uh, together, even when you're not together, um, and to be praying, to be on the same page um, about things. And so, you know, what we kind of refer to as the daily office is this, this seven movements of prayer um, throughout the day. And some monastic communities uh, pray those 
uh, together all the time. Some of them pray them, pray some of them together, and some of them as they're scattered doing other work. So it's it's a flexible model, but it it really is, uh, and it's a mainly model of praying scripture. Mm-hmm. So right, you know, there's uh, it kind of varies from community to community, but um, it's a uh, their their reform was not to be rebellious. It was to be it was to get serious, right? Um, about about what they were doing. They felt they had kind of lost their way um, in sense. And that's, you know, that's the history of the church. The church is always going through these kind sure. of reform movements mm-hmm. where, um, you know, one specific group says, we don't think we're seeing this right. And then, you know, it, it, we all we all benefit from that, um, from that influence mm-hmm. uh, in some way or another, whether we're directly a, a part or opposed in that reform. Uh, it, it works its way in. So that's, you know, monastic prayer has worked its way into um, the larger entrenched, you know, mm-hmm. version of Christianity, um, which is funny, you know, that they started off as kind of rebels in the desert. And yeah. then, you know, that was brought into kind of the regular function of the church. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a model of prayer that, um, that I think most people would find rigid, uh, but not in a bad way, mm-hmm. um, in a way that, you know, keeps your house up, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of rigidity, mm-hmm. not a, not a rigidity that says, uh, I'm wearing this sweater and I can't move my arms. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. It provides, it provides space in your day to live, to do these other things. These tent poles throughout the day, uh, are not, they don't get in your way. Um, they actually create a space that is more livable, that is more um, celebratory, that is more um, uh, just enthusiastic about life because it provides space to do that, um, which kind of counterintuitive idea, mm-hmm. I think, today. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's where it comes from, and that's what it's trying to do. Um, the challenge you know, in 21st century North America is to is to just even understand that, first of all, and then to uh, try to um, set up some kind of tent poles in your own day that make that, mm-hmm. that possible, while not neglecting the, um, the idea that you do have to share that uh, with other people, that you can do this by yourself, but it really, it's a small house then, right. you know? Right. Um, and so you, you do see, uh, I think, uh, uh, at least in kind of, on the edge reform movements, you see a lot of people wanting this kind of communal experience, and uh, it's very difficult to get that to happen. You know, you see attempts at that come and go. You know, right. over the last fifty years, it's just uh, because it's it's really hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the short answer. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and well, we have some. Uh, uh, notes on that on the podcast in terms of, of links and where they can uh, read more about this and, and sure. uh, okay mm-hmm. yep. yeah so I, there, there's just folks there's just so much uh, to cover um, in, uh, in in all of this that um, we just invite you to have some fun with it and explore different ways to pray through your day mm-hmm. I was telling Deb just before we came down here if if uh, I could carve out time, or if I uh, 
uh, wasn't uh, needing to be concerned about some other detailed matters sometimes. I'd love to have some time because I, I believe our Catholic brothers and sisters in that heritage that sometimes we Protestants don't appreciate. Mm-hmm. There's a depth there that we are missing. Uh, and I wish I had some time to go down and put some practical kinds of guidelines or help or directions as if this world needs another book on prayer, but uh, which it doesn't, I'm pretty sure. But somehow or another mm-hmm. to bring some of that back to a healthy place. Um, because once again, I'm, I'm not sure there's a lot of folks um, in whatever denomination it happens to be in that's aware of some of the history and some of the practices uh, and some of the reason for those practices. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, think, I think we're in need of some of that kind of discipline rather than this kind of almost free-for-all. Um, yeah, and I think one of the other, you know, one of the other things that um, that kind of monastic prayer um, sets a space for is it doesn't, it doesn't require you as a individual to be on your game all the time. Your spontaneity... Mm-hmm. Your desire, your authenticity, you don't have to bring any of that mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. Now, I know that sounds like, well, then what is it? Like, you just have to show up and yeah. something, you make yourself uh, available to this moment of prayer. Mm-hmm. That's it. All right. you have to do is walk in, open the page, whatever. Um, some days you might feel like you are there and ready to pour it all out, and other days, you all you could do is just to step in the door, mm-hmm. and that's great. And in a, an environment where we think uh, that we have to have everything uh, authentically ready to go, this has to mean so much. My desire has to be so finely tuned in; otherwise, it doesn't mean anything. Right? They they would just go, "What are you What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you're here. Yeah, that's right. Where that's it, all you need. Where it, Where is it? <laughs> Uh-huh. We're in, in that, where's the time for the divine, holy God moment to come if it is so rigid? Mm-hmm. Uh, because God needs that space sometimes to speak yeah. to us. Anyway. All right. Well, the music is, uh, is upon us. And uh, if you have questions for us, uh, we'd love to... Uh, Love to keep the discussion going with you. You can uh, find us on Facebook or uh, on the website, uh, Twitter, whatever, wherever you're hanging out. We've probably been through there at some point in time, so you'll find us. And we will be back next week uh, with uh, more continued discussion on prayer. So until then, grace and peace. Mm-hmm.